Hello and welcome to the Red Robin Podcast Weekly, which is powered by 360 Chartered Accountants on Budget Size Auto Centre. I'm Chris Johnson and this week I'm delighted to be joined by Mikey Carter, Joe Withers and Carl Smith with Matt from the Bloody Twin Podcast. Join us later on. And where do we start? Should we start with our Derby Day delight? Or do we discuss our gritty Easter Monday victory over Toulouse? Maybe we could start with a preview of Saturday's Round 10 Super League home fixture against Wakefield Trinity. Or do we kick off with the news that Tony Smith has announced he will not be signing a new contract with Hulkington Rovers and he will leave the club at the end of the season? Or do we start with a positive and Elliot Minchella's brand new Foy contract which will keep him at the club until at least 2026. Lads, it's great to have you on board for the podcast tonight. Um, anybody who's watching, uh, if you want to get involved, please put your comments in because there's plenty for us to go at uh, this evening. Uh, it, Mikey, it's crazy, isn't it? It's not even a week since Good Friday and, and that uh, that victory over the, the Black and Whites and there's so much that's happened since then, isn't there? Mate, honestly, I've made some notes and I've wrote about Review All FC and I've put almost a week ago, wow, <laughs> because the fact that that victory was, what, six days ago, um, if you're listening on Friday morning, it was seven days ago, it's it's incredible how fast and how how sport can really change in a matter of hours. Yeah, definitely. Joe Palmer, he's, he's watching on YouTube, he said, hello all, looking forward to this, has anything happened in the last week? Uh, Joe, it's never a dull being Hulkington Rovers fan, is it? It never is, mate. Honestly, it never is. Just when you think everything's running smoothly, bang. Someone always throws a spanner in the works, doesn't it? Yeah, and, and Carl, we're going to talk about it in a bit more depth uh, shortly. But uh, just before we've come on to, to record, obviously, Elliot Minchella, it's been announced he signed a, a brand new four-year contract with the club. Um, so after the craziness of of Tony Smith and his announcement yesterday. It was it was nice to have a bit of positivity, wasn't it, with, with that news breaking earlier? Yeah, most definitely. Without a doubt, I mean, I tweeted earlier on regarding that as soon as, as, soon as the, the club had released it, I thought, well, that's all great. Like, let's li- Literally, where's, let's have a few more now. And like I say, club's in good places regardless of uh, what happened yesterday. So it's, hopefully that's just the start of, of things to come in terms of signings. So, yeah, all good. Yeah, of course, we're going to start off with obviously the big news, which is Tony Smith has announced that he's going to depart the club at the end of his contract. Um, you know, many fans are, are left scratching their heads at how, it, how it's come to this. Um, only recently, the club announced that they'd entered contract negotiations with Tony um, and it looked like quite positive, didn't it? Um, I think the club expected him to sign a one-year rolling contract. But yesterday morning... Uh, Tony Smith interrupted his, his press conference to make a point, and, and that point was that he'd be no longer staying at the club. Um, just before that press conference, he told his players and coaching staff, I think they was shocked, I know, I know from a first-hand accounts from a couple of players, that they didn't know what was happening until literally Tony Smith was on the pitch and he told them, and then um, even Neil Hudgel, he didn't know what was happening because he received a... Uh, a short phone call from Tony Smith while he was over in America t- telling him that he was about to announce he was going to leave the club. Mike, you know, I think 
people were, were hoping he was going to stay. Um, you know, maybe some people expect he was going to leave. There's obviously all the rumours about him going to Leeds, etc. But how do you feel about the way he's gone about announcing his departure? Because I know a lot of fans are, are upset about the way it's come about. Yeah, I think rightly so. It's sometimes you can, you can say something and the effect of your actions can actually be worse than what you've actually said, you know, the, the way you've gone about something and the way you've done it. And I think that's possibly quite apparent here. I think some some, some fans expected him, him to leave anyway. And there's... The, the way that he's kind of gone about it, it's, it's disappointing. It's not it's not something that I would have expected him to do. Um, I know that he's not always necessarily gone by the playbook in any form of his, of his coaching career. He's not always necessarily done things the way that people would expect. You know, we even talk about his team news, don't we? And sort of say, you can never quite predict what he's going to, what he's going to do, what he's going to say and how he's going to line up and, I think he caught a lot of people off guard yesterday. You know, my, my phone was absolutely buzzing, left, right, and centre. Just various different uh, friends and family just reaching out and saying, "You know what's going on? Can you believe this?" It, people from other clubs, you know, I had a couple of cast fans message me asking uh, what was going on, and yeah, it was. Uh, it really did catch me off guard. Yeah, and the the club um, it didn't have any press release ready, didn't have any statement to make, so it shows you how uh, off-guard there was, which was uh, ironic when you consider that Tony Smith's daughter is, is uh, part of the communications team at Elkington Rovers. So, you know, the fact that he was caught off-guard really shows um, what, a, what a crazy decision it was maybe by Tony Smith to, to announce it in that way. Joe, when you heard the news, um, and obviously as, it, as the day went on, uh, was you starting to think that, that maybe there was no way back for Tony Smith because in his, in his uh, press conference that he... That he did. He, he's basically he said that those people within the club uh, that he couldn't work with, he, he wasn't having the control that he wanted. And you know, if you imagine in your job, if you was, you know, maybe uh, not being too kind to your employer and you was coming to the end of your contract, you'd think that maybe speed it up to get rid of you a bit quicker. Was it? Was you expecting that as time yeah. went on yesterday? I thought with like obviously the club didn't say anything, did they, for quite a few hours? So I thought. There's meetings going on at board level. I thought, are they going to say, right, the way you've done that, you've sort of done us a bit dirty, going behind our backs a little bit. And I thought, they're going to just say, Danny Maguire, can you take it till the end of the year or something like that? And Tony can go out the door, like, but obviously he's staying till the end of the year now, isn't he? So I think, I think the best thing for everyone to do is just try and get over it and back the boys till the end of the season and hopefully... We've got to give him credit. To be fair, it's took us, it's turned us around, hasn't it? So it's just, I just hope it doesn't like filter our season out now. Do you know where people's heads are turned and stuff like that? It don't disappoint us now. So, but yeah, yesterday I did think his time's up. To be fair, but obviously not. Yeah, and obviously the club was reeling from Tony's announcement. They released this statement. It said, "Hulk, I can confirm Tony Smith will leave the club at the end of the season." Much to our surprise, during his weekly press conference, Tony announced his intention to bring the curtain down on his two and a half year reign at the Robins. He will now fully focus on ensuring we appoint. Uh, sorry, we will now fully focus on ensuring we appoint a head coach for 2023 and beyond. Who builds on all the positive momentum and progress the club has made over the last two seasons? This season offers plenty of promise. We know the big, the character and quality of our players and coaching squad will ensure we give everything to make 2022 a great season. Um, 
the night before, Carl, it was uh, there was a rumor going around, wasn't it, that Anthony Seabold had been approached by Rovers. Um, I think many people poo-pooed that. You know, I don't think you know. I put that out on social media, and the comments were pretty much no. Tony Smith staying. He's going to sign new contracts. Blah blah blah. And then fast forward to the morning, and, and Tony Smith announcing that he's about to. Uh, he's not going to sign new contract. Do you think that that's maybe played a, a, a role in it? That behind the scenes, the club are maybe seeking yeah. out a, a new coach, and Tony's not being too happy about that. Uh, it's hard to tell. There's a lot of uh, speculation flying around and conspiracy theories and whatnot. It's no. I, to be honest, I don't think nobody will ever know, will they? Apart from the probably the too many question that seems to be uh, falling out with each other. Uh, I think we know that is without mentioning any names. So it's difficult to tell. But yes, yeah, uh, the uh, the original rumor that I saw was. From uh, an Australian Twitter page that I follow quite often, but he's not very reliable. So when you sort of see that from from that source, you, you sort of you take it with a pinch of salt, don't you? Until something you know something nearby comes up and a, a more reliable source. So it's difficult to tell, isn't it? As like I say, there's a lot of hair saying what could happen, what couldn't happen. So it, yeah, it's difficult to say, but <laughs> it's not ended great. What, yeah, what I would say is. Go on, Carl, keep going. No, I was just saying what, what was what I would say is Joe's Joe's definitely right. He's, he's done some great things at the club, hasn't he? And I think Tony I think Tony Smith's one of those coaches as as we've seen in the past with when he's been at Warrington and, and Leeds, etc. After a certain a certain while, he's it, turned the ship around and he's steadied the ship, if you like. And I think he wants that little bit more control. I don't think uh Mr. Lakin's sort of thing in that, and I think he's wanting to do a little bit, bit more than so basically, I think it's a clash of personalities, to be honest, and and the roles moving forward. So I think Joe's right. I think showed a little bit of unprofessionalism the way it's the way it's come out, but you know it is what it is. And Joe's right. Let's let's be positive and move on. The club's in a club's in a far better place than it was five six years ago. So if you'd have asked me five or six years ago, I'd have been worried. I think. And uh, the news of Minchella signing, I think that's I think that just sets a platform for the for the. For the rest of them to sign and like I say, move forward in a positive manner. So so yeah. Yeah, and let's not forget, Mikey, that when Tony Smith did take charge, it was a time when Neil Ludgell had, had said he was going to sell the club. Uh Rob Crossland had not long departed. Um Mike Smith was pretty much running the show as CEO and, and Smith was doing a lot of work alongside of him. And I think Tony Smith had pretty much control over all the recruitment. Fast forward to the appointment of Paul Lakin, and we've seen him obviously you know, do so many good things around the club. You know, you can you won't have to go um, see the purchase Craven Park, some of the recruitment, etc. But it seems that maybe Tony Smith has been marginalised a, a little bit in with Paul Lakin being appointed. Um, do you, do you think that has had an impact on Tony Smith's decision? Because he seems to be somebody who's obviously got a lot to say, and quite rightly, he's got a wealth of experience within the game. He's been there, he's done it. Uh, but do you feel like if he can't have full control, then he then it's it's maybe not for him. I, I don't know. I think that that's a really it's a really difficult subject for for anybody to discuss outside of, of Smith and uh, and Lakin. And again, we we all we all think we know that it's Lakin. We we, we don't know. We we think we know, but we don't know. No. And I think that when it comes down to to it now, as as sports fans and just in general as people, we're all in this. You know, 
in the know, shall we say. And people <laughs> want to know the, the insides and outs. People listen to podcasts talking about the, re the reviewing of things, whether it's a TV show, whether it's a film, whether it's a sport, whether it's a team. There's a lot of this people wanting to know the ins and outs of how things go on. And truly, we're probably never, ever going to actually find out the 100% reason why something has happened. Oh, Mike, um, I've already put in a request for him to come on the Heritage cast. <laughs> well, there we go. And this is it, isn't it? And that and that's that's kind of the sort of thing that we, we all sort of clamour for. It is it's that in, inside information that everybody wants when it comes to their their interests and the hobbies. And it, it's really, really difficult for us to sort of speculate because what let's just say that did happen and you got Tony Smith on, you're still only getting one side of a story. You're getting it from somebody's experience, but two people in, in the same in the same experiences, talking about the, the exact same thing will give you two completely different stories because it's always going to be weighted towards one side and not the other. And I think that's where it comes sort of really difficult to get the you know the, the true ins and outs. But just to again echo what what Joe and uh, and Carl have both said, you know what what Tony Smith has done for this club in that you know the period of time he's, he's coming temporarily, which to be fair sounded at the time he did Danny Mags a bit of a favour and just sort of stepped in when we needed somebody to, to come in and do a short term job. He's been here now for two and a half years, and I don't think that every, anybody could have pictured we'd be where we are now when he took over. Yeah, and and I think one of the one of the statements that that really probably hits home about why he's leaving, and it was from his press conference. He, he was asked, "Is he being forced out?" And Tony said, "No, it's not financial at all. It's not about the money. None of that. It's more at a high level of how businesses should operate and how connected we should be to be successful. When you've got some people who don't see eye to eye and don't gel." and pull in the same direction as one another and have that trust you need to have. It impacts the business and it's not healthy. For those reasons, something's got to give. The give is me. And at the end of the, and at the back end of the year, I'll move on and allow the club to get a more appropriate person for the position. So obviously there is a clash, you know, whether it's Paul Aiken or whoever it might be, there's a clash there, isn't there? And Tony Smith has obviously decided that he can't work within the parameters that have been set out by, by the club, which is obviously his prerogative. Joe, I think the, the thing that disappoints me is that, um, you know, in sport, generally, to get success, everybody needs to be pulling in the right direction. You know, everyone needs to be working together. Fans, players, you know, club, everyone needs to be going in the same direction. And at the moment, with this news from Tony Smith and the way he's gone about it, it's already created a bit of a division between people in Paul Lakin, whoever's camp, people in Tony Smith's camp. And it is there a danger that this could, could derail the season a little bit? Because, you know, before it, we, if we rewind back to Good Friday and, and the victory over Toulouse, you know, everyone's absolutely buzzing. We're going into the Wakefield game. I think, what is it, seven? It's going for seven games, uh, seven victories on the trot. It, is there a danger that this could derail the season? God knows. <laughs> I think... Um... I listened to George King's uh, press conference earlier and I think the look on his face, he was, you could see he was shocked and really disappointed. But at the end of the day, the professional sports people out there, it's what they pay to do is go out on the pitch and do the business. So I think I think for themselves as well, they aren't going to want to show who was a one-trick pony last year. They're going to want to finish as high as they can for themselves. Even if they aren't signing a new deal, they're going to want to put themselves in the shop window, aren't they? So I think for their own interests as well. They need to still put it put it in on the field. So, yeah, maybe for a couple of days, it was all a bit, maybe yesterday and today, there was all a bit heads all over. But I think come Saturday, like George King said in his thing, they'll be good to go. And I, 
I hope they are. I hope it doesn't derail our season because, again, the last thing we want to be doing is seem to be heading backwards again and then the old uh, scrambling around trying to find signings late on in the season and all that malarkey happens again. So, fingers crossed it doesn't, but you never know, do you? I think we'll get a good um, indication of that come Saturday, to be fair. Yeah, and, and obviously, Carl, Tony Smith said that He's um he was asked about is, is he is he leaving Rovers and retiring from the game and his response is no he's got his mojo back he he wants another gig so he he wants to be involved in the game at at some level um and obviously what he can't deny is he's quite a, a close knit bond isn't he, between the players and, and and the coach I think Tony Smith came out didn't he after the Toulouse game and said he actually apologised to him for the for the bollocking he gave him at half time and and that's quite rare in it for a coach to come out and say things like that. So they do definitely look like a tight knit knit group and I think to get us, you know, through to the end of the season and, and try and get us some success, whether that's through the playoffs or whether that's through the challenge cup, they're gonna to have to be tight out there and almost put this to bed now. Yeah, most definitely you know yourself, the players and the coaching staff, they've all got respect for each other. Fans have respect with, with the the staff and the coach and whatnot. So, yeah, it's, but it's like any it's like any other sport, Chris. It's a business based result, uh, you know, on results. So, yeah, like Joe said, it's you don't want to look so far ahead, but they just need to keep chipping away and getting them wins because if they get a few bad results, it's going to be one of those, you know, they start turning on certain players and coaching staff, and then it's no matter you know what fan base it's from, they, they get they get a bit brittle, don't they? And it's you know it doesn't matter he's leaving at the end of the season, so. We can't afford to, to fall into that trap where then we just need to keep keep doing what we're doing on a weekly basis. Yeah, Neil Jackson said, um, should a CEO have the state in the playing squad? And then Keith Pollard said, uh, Tony's always gone to clubs and he's gone in to sort them out from management to playing staff, not just a coach. Mike, <clears> is that a bit old-fashioned now? Having a having a coach, you know, we saw it in football with Alex Ferguson, and almost, you know, to a certain extent, you got it a bit like Jurgen Klopp now. But where a, a coach comes in and has, you know, a huge say across the whole club, because I think Paul Lakin now, obviously, his, his remit is to make us sustainable, and 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 that's regardless of whatever coach is in place, isn't it? So is Tony Smith being a bit, I don't know, romantic, a bit old fashioned in his view that he he can have such a big impact at a club. Uh, possibly, some some type. Obviously, we believe we kind of have head coaches, don't we? Whereas in football, the more known as managers, and that could be potentially just a play on words that doesn't really mean a great deal. But it also could could mean that a head coach's job is to coach, and a manager's coach. Sorry, a manager's job is is to manage and manage a team, and then they would have a team of coaches who would then assist them with with that side of it. Um, you know, bring bring it up, Keith. Obviously, he's just mentioned. Uh, I put a comment in there. Um, I remember Keith telling me in the past that when when he when he was playing in the in the sixties, uh, it wasn't actually the head coach's job to pick the the team. It was done by a board of directors, and uh, that can obviously throw in a, a different sort of different point of view when it comes to to sort of the selection of, of teams. And I know that there was quite a lot of uh, controversy back in the day about team selection and things. So there's definitely uh, definitely something to be to be looked at there. Yeah, and it's funny you mention that, Mike. Actually, because it was. Uh... Uh, the late great Johnny Whiteley, who, who famously left Rovers because of because of yeah. that, because he wanted he wanted to pick his team, and yet there was a, a, a committee who, who, who was picking it for him, and which is why he left Rovers. But but Joe, I mean, you know how sport how fickle sport is. You know, Tony Smith keeps winning, no one bats an eyelid, loses a couple of games, and all of a sudden 
the pressure's on Tony Smith, isn't it? To, and people saying, is he having effects on the players, etc., etc. Um, you know, all he's got to do is keep winning, hasn't he, Joe? <laughs> well, yeah, it's easier said than done, though, isn't it? I think, um, like I say, a couple of bad losses and everyone's going to be saying, send him out now, let him go early. But, um, yeah, I just think it's a tough one to take. I think everyone just seen this rosy picture of everything going right, didn't they? Everything was building, we was building something special and then it just seems like a really odd time to do it and I think... No one even had an indication of anyone falling out at the club. Did they? You know everything. I don't know. He spoke before Tony himself about having a good relationship with the way they work together with um, Paul Lakin and stuff. So yeah, I think, like I say, I think a couple of couple of losses here and there, and I think um, yeah, people could start turning, but you never know. You never know. And Mike, the club, you know. Yes. Yeah, go on, Carl. Sorry, sorry. I just wanted to get a lad, the lad's uh, perspective on the Takarangi situation. I mean, it's sort of been brushed under the carpet a little bit, and I can't, I can't help but think that that sparked the situation because it was only a couple of months ago where we said, oh, well, Tony Smith needs to sign, and there was all the Leeds rumours kicking about. This, I think this was uh, sort of after the Takarangi situation. I don't know if that sparked a lot of this because... Obviously, Tony Smith wants a bigger say for him to sign a new contract, was it, which he hasn't done. Now, has this Takarangi situation sparked that? I know it's all hearsay and conspiracy theories, but I keep hearing that uh, Tony Smith actually defended Takarangi, and you know members of the board wanted him out. So that you know that's more than a possibility that's happened, and that's where it's sort of come from. Yeah, and I think Mike. I don't know right. about you guys. I don't know what you're. I think Mike's right in that. Um, you know. This will all come out in the wash someday about the, the where's and why's and all that kind of stuff and, and whether the Brad Sakharangi situation has had an impact on on Tony. He's obviously an, an opinionated man and he and he he goes by his, his his values and what he thinks and you know what you would say about Tony Smith. He's definitely a player's coach, isn't he? So he, he's definitely going to back his back his men and and whether it is a power struggle between what he thinks is the right thing to do by his players and and people looking at it as what's the right thing to do by the club. You know, I think it will probably come out in the wash eventually. But the fact is, Brad Takarangi is here to stay for for the rest of the season. He, he's um, he, he's been kept on by the club. You know, and 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 really, if the club did want to get rid of him, I'm sure you know they could go about it with in, in if they really wanted to. So it's going to be interesting, Carl, to see how that that pans out. Uh, but Mikey was starting to get linked with uh, a, a number of coaches now, aren't we? Um, and what you'd say is that Ulkingston Rovers is quite an attractive proposition, isn't it? For for a number of reasons, not least the the investment in the playing side, the the infrastructure that Paul Aiken's keeping, and we're in a bit of a different position now, looking at a head coach, aren't we? Because normally, when we've had a head coach depart, it's because we've been on a bad run, we've had a relegation, we've we've uh, had a rubbish season. Whereas actually now. We're looking to appoint somebody where we're in a, a really strong position, at, aren't we? Yeah, it feels like the first head coach that's left Rovers of their own accord, if that would make sense. Mm. Uh, it's probably you know the first one we haven't relieved of duty, shall we say. And it's going to be interesting because, as you said there, we, we're, in, we're a much more attractive proposition than we was in 2019 when we were looking for a head coach. Um, even probably going all the way back through, you know, after each head coach has left, even all the way back as far as as Justin Morgan, it's it's kind of always been um, a, we've been on on a downward spiral, shall we say, at the end of each 
sort of uh, when the when the changes come, we found ourselves in a position where we've needed to change something to improve our fortunes. Whereas right now, if we improved our fortunes, we'd be winning some because <laughs> that you know we're, we're really on that cusp of it now. So it, it definitely is an attractive proposition. There's been all sorts of different names banded about. I've seen people talking about um, Andrew Webster, uh, Shane Warren. Uh, sorry, Shane Warren. <laughs> yeah, that'd be a good one. Good appointment, that wouldn't it? <laughs> that would be a right good one. Um, you know, so there's there's some names out there where you would necessarily not not associate those with Rovers. So it's really good and yeah, it's exciting. I think actually, you know, I've really got got thinking about it. It's exciting to see what's next. Yeah, and, and talking about names, Rob Batty's put personally, I'd like Rovers to go after Brian McDermott from Fev. He's a great coach, knows all the Leeds lads at Rovers. I think he'd work well with Maguire as his assistant. Um, obviously, Danny Maguire is one of the names in the frame, Joe, but he's he's said before, hasn't he, that he's not quite ready. But but I, I suppose, Joe, if Super League head coach jobs don't come around often, do they? And, and sometimes you've got to take your chance. Can you can you see Danny Maguire being the, the head coach next season? Um. I don't see why not. To be fair, um, he's got he's got a good uh, mentor hasn't he, until the end of the season to learn off, and I, I, he knows the players. He knows like how we play and our like DNA as it is at the minute, the way we play. And I, I don't think he changed that so much. And I think whoever comes in, I just don't want us to go to being. A boring rugby team that's five drives and a kick, you know. I want us to carry on playing the way we are, and I think if Maguire did take it, we'd have that continuity. Whereas if someone else comes in, I think maybe looking to change a little bit more and have their own massive stamp on things, and then I think that could possibly like change a few people's perceptions, like players-wise. Am I that happy here anymore? Do you know that? They all seem to be really happy, and especially in Minchella's statement, he said it's the core of the group, the players as people. And if they start getting a bit thingy, then it could all turn sour. Yeah, and and although it's a bit unpalatable, really, the way that Tony Smith has gone about announcing he's going to depart Rovers, Carl, I'm pleased he is staying because if can you imagine taking Tony Smith out the equation and then dropping in a, an interim head coach for the for the rest of the season. You know, because there's no doubt that Rovers do have an identity. We, we play a certain brand of rugby league. And, you know, if you put someone totally alien into there to, to get them to get the players playing the way that they want to play in, in such a short amount of time, it's very difficult, isn't it? Yeah, most definitely. I think I think it, with Tony dropping the bombshell yesterday and... He might look back on it and think he's done wrong, but under, other, other, obviously under the heat of the moment, he's made that decision. But there's one thing that Tony Smith is, and that's a good professional, and another thing is a good person. So I think that was always going to be the case to, to see it out to the end of the season. So, but yeah, with regards to what you're saying in terms of trying to trying to fix it mid-season, it'd be an absolute absolute nightmare, wouldn't it? So I think I think it's done the uh, the right thing for by everybody really. Yeah, and. Uh... Kev Verity, he's, uh, he's put uh, Andrew Webster's name forward, of course, Mike. He's brother of uh, uh, James Webster, of course, who, who we all know uh, very well. Uh, he's part of the Penrith Panthers setup, so he's uh, he definitely knows what uh, what success is. But um, another name, Danny Ward. You've got Anthony Seabold and uh, Justin Morgan, who's, who's entered the frame. Uh, can you see any of them being, being interested in the role or... 
Or do you think there might be someone from left field? Because at the moment, it's a bit like silly season, isn't it? With names all over the place at the moment. Yeah, it's it's, it's just reckless speculation, isn't it? That's all it is. It's just <laughs> people putting names on the dartboard and throwing a dart and seeing where it hits. Um, so, some people will get really, really overexcited and probably egg us on and try and find somebody that's probably not going to be going to be interested. Um, whereas the likelihood is it'll possibly somebody that's maybe not even in a job because that's normally what does happen in these uh, in these coaching scenarios in rugby league. It's normally a coach that's either coming to an end of a contract or or isn't currently in work. But there's definitely some really good candidates that are within within a role at the moment. Um, obviously, we, we speak about Danny Maggs, and he, he did come out and say that he didn't feel like he was ready to be a head coach. So it'll be interesting to see if he, if he is a candidate for us, um, what his take is then, because obviously it's still a very short turnaround between now and when we're going to be... Uh, looking to appoint a head coach. So that, that could still technically come a little bit too soon for Danny Maggs. But, you know, if he wants to stay at the club, then you've got to feel like he needs to be a part of the recruitment process for a head coach because it needs to be somebody that the, the lads that we've got in uh, in, in Maggs, Oji and Stan, who are, are comfortable working with as well. Yeah, yeah, that's really important, isn't it? And, um, I mean, just specifically, Joe and Justin Morgan, you know, they, they say, don't they, never go back. I think he's it. Are we looking at that a bit romantically? You know, seeing that Paul Aikens at the club putting two and two together and getting five. But obviously, when we spoke to him on the Heritage Cast uh, last year, you know, he was quite comfortable over in New Zealand, etc. But he did say that if he got the opportunity to come back, you know, never say never. Um, can you see Justin Morgan being being Rovers head coach next season? Never say never. <laughs> uh, I actually listened to that Eridshid cast um, back this morning while I was at work. Just oh, good. That'll, that'll boost the numbers then. <laughs> just because I knew he'd said something about him coming back and never say never, and I wanted to know what he'd actually said. Um, but it was only a young coach, wasn't he, when he was initially at Rovers. Just think yeah. the knowledge he'll gained in the time in the past decade since he's been at the club, if he could come back, it could be something like completely different, you know. So he'll get he'll be a completely different coach now to what he was then. So I don't see why not. Never say never, like I say, but yeah, we'll see what happens. Yeah, and obviously, Carl, we've seen that uh regardless of who's in place as the head coach, the, the recruitment and retention of players continues. Elliot Minchella. Was uh, has been awarded a, a brand new four year contract. Um, he's definitely a player that we want to tie him down, isn't he? Yeah, m- most definitely. And I think, like I said earlier, I think with, with the news you had yesterday, I think that I think Rovers have done well to to, to announce that signing today because I think that's I think that's going to start taking people's minds away from what happened yesterday and it'll help us move forward in terms of other players signing on. Obviously, me personally, I, I think he'll be our next. Captain, I think I'm right in believing he's is a co-captain at the minute or vice captain or something. But I think he will be our full full-time captain in in time, possibly next season. So I think with him signing is so important, and I think there'll be more to follow hopefully. Yeah, Mike, he's been outstanding, hasn't he, since he came back from his injury? Yeah, he has. It, I, I was uh, don't think critical is the right word, but when we did our a season preview and we spoke about him and. I'd sort of said, you know, he struggled in them first two games of 2021 to actually, you know, make a real impact. He was coming off the bench and then obviously he got injured and it was kind of like, you know, it must have been a really, really long year for him. But, the, you know, the rehab work that he's put in throughout 2021, obviously started this season uh, really well. 
Um, I don't know if anybody's had the opportunity to read any of the articles that have been published by Hull Daily Mail and the Yorkshire Post, but there's some really good, strong quotes in there from from Elliot, and he, he talks about wanting to move to Hull, um, so he doesn't have the you know the, the the commute. I bet he'll probably miss the Bradford the uh, the Bradford bus, um, but you know he, he's committed to the club, committed to you know moving into the city. Um, and another thing that, that James O'Brien actually he put on Twitter was that the, the Elliot actually signed the contract after the news had broke yesterday about Tony Smith. So that that says to me that there's obviously, you know, the lads are still going to be committed to this club, even though Tony Smith's not going to be here after 2022. Yeah, and that tells you everything, done it, about creating that that structure and, the, and that environment around whoever the head coach is. That that Because um, the big part of it is continuity, isn't it? And, and we've seen it with the signing uh, Lytton and Mike Lewis, you know, signing contracts. We're tying down some of our players who are going to be, you know, featuring for the Robins uh, in the future. Uh, Joe, any other players who you, who you hope to see sign contracts very soon? Um, Sam Wood, I'd like to see him sign two, three-year deal. I think he's really going to grow into a really good centre. Um, trying to, For me, maybe Adley. Um, trying to think who else. Maybe give Kyan Austin another year because he's a decent squad player. Never lets us down. Um, it's a tough one, really, because the way Sean Kenny Dowell's still playing, do you give him a year? But then are you going a year too long? Same with Lynette. But for the other three, the Corbin Sims, Vete, and Takarangi, them three for me can disappear and we'll get three other. Quarter spots in that you're going to get value for money for and actually get them out on the field. So, yeah, I think there's only maybe two or three more that I'd I'd offer contracts to. To be fair, yeah, and it is a real statement of intent, isn't it, Carl? When someone like Elliot Minchella pens such a long, long-term contract, because uh, it shows the other players, doesn't it? You know that that the club's committed to to uh, retaining, you know good homegrown prospects and, and, and as supporters, you know, that's what we want to see, don't we? Yeah, most definitely, Chris. I mean, like I say, it's a massive statement intent of, you know, after what happened yesterday. And I th- going back to what Mike said regarding the article, I didn't actually read any of the article, but I did I did see his, uh, his interview uh, with, the, I think it was Umbersad, before actually coming out with you guys. And he actually, weighed, you actually used the word love. He actually loves the club. You know, and I know I know words can be cheap at times, but I think he's the type of guy when he says something he means it. So for them to announce announce his signing first, that's the biggest foundations you need to build to build the rest of the squad around somebody like him. So it's probably the most important signing we'll probably make. Obviously, we'd like to think Parcel Sam, but it's not looking that way. Look, he's looking like he's uh, he's going elsewhere. So to me, it's probably one of the most important ones, and that's probably why they've announced it first. Yeah, and just to give an update on who is out of contract at the end of the season, you've got uh, Ben Crooks, Dean Hadley, Jimmy Kinehorse, Sean Kenny Dowell, Kane Lynette, although the club do have an option, which is undisclosed yet, to, to extend his contract. Uh, Will Ma, Elliot Minchella, of course, he's not now. He's signed a, a four-year contract. Uh, Matt Parcell, Greg Richards, although we maintain an option on him until 2023. Corwin Sims, Brad Takarangi, Will Tate, Albert Vetti, Tom Ware and Sam Wood. In 2023, we've got Lachlan Coote, Will Dagger, Tom Garrett, Ryan Hall, Frankie Holt and Louis Johnson and PLT and, of course, Ethan Ryan. And then if you look beyond there, 
2024, Jordan Abdul and Matty Staunton's contracts are due to expire and looking further ahead, 2025, George King, Mikey Lewis, Jez Litton and Rowan Milne. So, Mikey, you know, if you look beyond, uh, you know, the, the next couple of seasons, you can see see what the club's trying to do, Kite, with the likes of Jordan Abdul, Matty Staunton, George King, Mikey Lewis, Jez Litton, Roy Milnes and now Elliot Minchella all tied down for a, for a good number of years. It's your spine, isn't it? When you, when you break that down... That, that is the spine of your team. And it's really, really important that we've, we've got those key, key players tied down. Um, in, in football terms, it might be not necessarily a, a relief that that was the case because a, a big team comes in with a massive transfer fee and they're off regardless of when, when they're under contract to. But in rugby, it's, it's very rare that you see a transfer fee paid by one club to another for, for a player services. So it's fairly... It gives you a lot of confidence that the players that are committed to us until sort of 24, 25, 26 will be around until that time, unless the, the club off, off, take that opportunity to try and offload them somewhere else. But, you know, the way things are going, I, I don't see that being the case. So, yeah, it definitely fills me with a lot of confidence that we've got a lot of these key players tied down. I think it would be important. We've, we've got to look at Matt Parcell. But if he has um, ambitions to go back to, to the NRL, it feels very much like uh, Michael Dobson back in, in 2013. Like we're, we're never going to stand in his way of, of going back there and having another crack at, at going back. And it might work out for him, it might not. But at the end of the day, if, if he wants to go back, I wish him all the best because I think he'd been fantastic for this club and I would not, I would not stand in his way. Yeah, and you only have to look at our recent run of good form, don't you, to see how pivotal Matty Parcell has been to that. Of course, we've got a great understudy in Jez Litton, who, who, who you know, plays really well in tandem with him, but he's going to be interesting because obviously Matt Parcell has been over for, what, four or five years now over in this country and, he, and he's still at a, a really good age, isn't he? So you can see an NRL team coming in for him. So it's going to be really interesting to see how that pans out. But... Uh, just before we go on to talk about Wakefield, Alan Crowther, he's just mentioned, need Holton on for a year deal. Um, he's another player, isn't he, Joe? He's been absolutely tremendous for us this season. Yeah, I'd uh, try and tie him down now before he gets into his last year of his deal. Likely did with, I think, was it Abdul and a couple of others? Matt Stoughton maybe threw an extension at him before he entered his last year. And I think, why not? He's shown, he's shown how good he is, hasn't he? So, why not sign him up? before anyone else can grab him. Yeah, and that's it. It goes back to it, doesn't it, Mike? That whoever comes in as next head coach, you know, some of the best players are tied down to a long-term deals, which means that we've got a bit of stability. And one of the frustrations with Rovers over the last few years, isn't it, has been the chain of players, you know, 10 players in, 10 players out at the end of every season. Now we're adding we're adding quality. We might loot, ship out a couple, but we're only having a 10 over of maybe three, four, five players. So that stability is, is really important for us going forward, isn't it? And and to be fair, I know Paul Aiken, he's, he's, he's caught a bit of flack, hasn't he, over the, the Tony Smith situation. But you, can, you can't argue that he's come in and added stability and, and he's he's really starting to build an infrastructure around the club now. Yeah, when you look at the, the top sides, a lot of the top sides have really, really small um, of, um, turnover of players. It's about bringing them through, developing them, and just trying to keep that level of continuity there. You know, we've done really well with dipping into the, the championship market in the last sort of two or three years. You look at some of the players that are playing week in, week out in this team, in the Super League, and competing at a really, really good level that have come through the championship. 
And we, we've obviously been using that market to our strength. And it's really, really good to see now that we're able to reward a player like Elliot Minchella, who we brought through from the championship after he made his Super League debut, I think, when he was about 17. Um, so then to, to drop that down, but then to still sort of keep turning out performances, to then get an opportunity and now to have, you know, a really good long-term contract with an established Super League side like we've become, you know, it, it, it's, it's great. And a lot of people did sort of post quite a lot of negative things yesterday about, about Paul Lakin. And I, I, I was absolutely flabbergasted by some of the stuff that I was reading because a lot of it felt quite reactionary. Um, and there was a lot of, there was a lot of negative, but there was some positive. Um, you know, Dan Crowther put a really good post on Red and White Dynamite about Paul Lakin. And it was really, really strongly worded. And I think it's important that we do remember that because something necessarily doesn't go the way that we want it to, or the way that we envisaged, it's not necessarily the end of the world because the way that we're all feeling now after we've seen this news about Elliot Manchella is tenfold on what we were feeling yesterday morning after we heard about Tony Smith. And the way that sport, the way that sport is, it's very fickle. You know, every, every single club has um, ups and downs, and you you will go on that little bit of a roller coaster ride with with sport. And it's just about trying to maintain a very level head and just saying, right, okay, you're going to throw that at me. We're going to deal with it. We'll move on. And I'm I'm thinking in the next sort of two or three months, we we could have a trophy in our trophy cabinet. So, you know, we've just got to keep everything crossed and hope for the best that we uh, we continue. Yeah, and that is a very important point to remember. Tony Smith hasn't gone yet. He is still our head coach. He's uh, he's t- currently uh, putting together a very good run. We've got a Challenge Cup semi-final to come. And there's no doubt that when he signs off at the end of the season, he'll want to do it with uh, some silverware behind him. And if it's the Challenge Cup, which we all hope it will be, then it'll be uh, a fantastic end to his whole Kingston Rovers career. But coming up next is Wakefield Trinity on Saturday. And Rovers will be going uh, for another win to strengthen their playoff charge uh, against 10th place. Wakefield, join us to help preview that game is Matt from down at Bellevue. Matt, how are you doing, pal? A bit nervous for Saturday, but, you know. Yeah, a bit nervous for Saturday. Wakefield currently 10th in the league. Are they about where you thought they would be? Um, Yeah and no. I thought would I, th- I thought it would be about ninth or tenth, um, but the performances up to the, the Easter weekend have been really good, so it probably raised a bit of expectation with Wakefield fans. Um, then over Easter we've just absolutely collapsed, um, and I hope that it's just a bit of a blip and we we can get back to winning ways on Saturday. But um, I'd be happy with a good performance. Yeah, he started off the season with four losses. Uh, obviously, first game against Hull, then Catalan, St. Helens and Leeds. And then you went and won uh, three games on the trot against Toulouse, Warrington and Salford before losing to Castleford and Wigan. Where do you see the? Uh, where did you see them three wins coming from on the trot? And then how do you put it down to then following that up with two losses? Um, I mean, the first four games, we did, we did start with that losing run, like you say, but... Uh, the performances were always sort of there. I mean, most St. Helens fans have said that we're probably the best side we've played this season, which, which I'm still in shock at them saying. Um, Catalans, we go to Catalans with, without some of our bigger players and lose by two, uh, which is a hard place to go, as you, as you guys know. Yeah. Um, and it, against against the old enemy for you guys, 
it was just another five minutes and we'd have beaten them. Like we were on top for the last 20, 25 minutes. We just couldn't find a way over the line. And I never once really was worried about getting the wins. I, I always felt we could get wins. Um, and when we did beat Warrington, uh, I mean, twice in a row, let's, let's not forget the cup game, even though <laughs> don't count towards that. Um, it felt like, Prove that it wasn't a fluke, and we, we can challenge any side if if we're on our game. Which for the last two, we we just haven't been. Yeah, and we haven't got a tremendous record against Wakefield at the moment. We've obviously lost our last three games against yourselves. Um, does coming to Hulkington Rovers and Craven Park on Saturday? Does it, do you have any fear about that, or are you quite confident that that if Wakefield click, you'll be able to to do a number on Rovers? If if we click that, we can challenge most teams I think um, it depends on our side you know the side we've bought at Wigan was very very rotated very weak so I think the club are challenge are targeting this weekend um, I do think you guys have been on an absolutely brilliant run at the minute and I'd be worried about just going there and expecting to win because we've got a good record it doesn't work like that rugby league doesn't work like that um, and I think we we do have a good record at LKR, but it's also important to remember that we can implode at any time, like especially if, especially if Jacob Miller or Lino aren't playing to their level. We can we could put we could have six to put on us at any point. Yeah, and of course the squads were announced earlier today. I'll just give you the Wakefield squad. Uh, you got Max Jowett, Tom Johnston, Reese Lane, Jacob Miller, Mason Lino, Eddie Batty, uh, Arona, Matty Ashurst. Kalepi Tanganoa, Jay Pitch, uh, Jordy Crowver, James Batchelor, Lee Gaskell, Liam K, Brad Walker, Yusuf Aydin, Sid uh, Adebi, uh, Harry Bowes, uh, Lewis Murphy, Corey Hall and Dave Feeter. Who were the ones who have been performing pretty well this season, uh, Matt? Um, you've got your usual suspects in like Johnston, uh, Miller and Lino when they want to play well. Uh, Jowett's been up there. But the main real uh, star, I guess, this season has been Corey Hall. I mean, no one really knew who he was when we signed him from Leeds and he slotted into that right, uh, left centre really well. Um, it really helps John get the best out of Tom Johnston as well when he's fit. Um, and even if it's not being Johnston, it's when it's been young Lewis Murphy. Corey Hall at 19 has looked so composed, one-on-one -on -one defensively. Um he he knows when to release a pass, and when he when he starts to size up a little bit and look a little bit more like a super league centre rather than just a skinny kid who's making his way, he's going to be a really good player. Um, but realistically, Max Jowett's probably been his best player throughout the season. Uh, he's not put a foot wrong, really. Um, he he sort of goes underrated in super league. Does Max? There aren't. Many fullbacks that I trust under a high ball more than him. I know you've got a great fullback in Lachlan Coop, and I see him as a very. I don't. I'm not saying he's of the quality, but I'm. I'm seeing him as a very similar style of play to to Lachlan Coop, and I think we are quite lucky to have him. Yeah, and it, one thing for sure is that he'll be tested because Jordan Abdul loves putting a high kick up to the up to the fullback, so it's going to be an interesting uh, test for him. I'll give you the uh, Rovers squad. Um, obviously, I'll just give you the Wakefield one. 
Uh, headlines are Matty Parcell drops out of the squad after a suffering a concussion midway through uh, the Toulouse game. Uh, Will Dagger also misses out. Uh, he, he suffered a, a flare-up of a, a previous knee injury. Lachlan Coote does rejoin the squad after being rested for Easter Monday. Um, and Albert Vette is also back in the squad after recovering from a calf injury. So the squad is Lachlan Coote, Ben Crooks, Brad Takarangi, Sean Kenny Dowell, Ryan Hall, Jordan Abdul, Albert Vette, George King. Dean Hadley, Kane Lynette, Matty Stoughton, Jez Litton, Corbin Sims, Elliot Minchella, Jimmy Kynehorst, Rowan Milnes, Will Maher, Ethan Ryan, Sam Wood, Greg Richards and PLT. So, Joe, Wakefield are sometimes a, a side that we expect to be, probably quite arrogantly at times, but often they're not. We come undone, don't we, against Wakefield. Yeah. What, what are your thoughts going into the game? Um, well, like I say, we've been on a good run. They've lost the last couple of games quite convincingly. That that's enough to worry me. Being a Rovers fan, um, everything's pointing towards a Rovers win. But as we all know, it doesn't always work like that, especially with Rovers. So who knows? I think, um, like I say, in the past we've been quite arrogant and thought oh, it's only Wakefield. Like last season, we was twelve points up. I think quite early doors and probably everyone thought it's going to be an easy win and then they shut up shop and that's it. They've Wakefield have battered us. So, um, yeah, it's a, no game's easy, is it, in Super League? And if you switch off, you, you, you've been beat. So it just depends how Rovers' mindset is, especially after the last couple of days. Hopefully we'll find that out early doors on Saturday. But, yeah, it's a daunting task. Especially after we're on a good run, so I'm just expecting the bubble to burst any any game. But fingers crossed, it's not this week. Yeah, and Mike, obviously Matt Parcell is missing um, concussion protocol. Um, he is going to be a huge miss, isn't he? Because he has such an influence on the way, not just for what he brings to the team, but actually the way the team plays when he's on the pitch. Obviously, he brings a lot of pace down the middle. Um, are you expecting a, a change in playing style from Rovers? Because the the two derby, uh, the derby victory and the Toulouse game, we saw a bit of a different side to Rovers, didn't we? In that uh, we was able to grind out a victory. It wasn't all it wasn't all uh, glamour, was it? No, it wasn't. And sometimes, well, we always we say that we it's a sign of a good team is is winning ugly, and that's kind of what we've done in our in our last two games for sure. Um, I think I would feel less confident if Lockland and Coop weren't playing. I just think that having that, having Coop there behind Abdul and Milnes to be able to join join the attack should hopefully have have enough for us to be able to to win this game. And I, I do actually feel like that for for Hull KR, this is a, it is a must win game, and that not necessarily just because it's Wakefield, but more so because of what's happened in the last sort of twenty four to thirty six hours. Because we spoke about the importance of keeping the momentum rolling. And if after what everything has happened, if we do sort of have a hiccup at the first hurdle, it'll obviously uh, it'll cause all sorts of potential drama on and off the field. So I feel like we definitely need to be, uh, we need to go at, go at Wakefield. We need to start fast. As Joe said, we got 12 points up last year and kind of eased off. We just need to try and keep that rolling. Um, and then at the point where it will get that little bit nitty gritty, we just need to make sure that we've got enough fight in us to be able to to sort of hold Wakefield off because they've got some really, really good, strong, danger players. Um, one player that I want to mention who, who plays for Wakefield is Reece Lynn. 
every time he plays against Hull KR, does he have a really good performance? Now, he's obviously got ties to, ties to Hull, um, and he's also got ties to, to Hull KR through, uh, through family as well. So there's definitely going to be uh, an interesting uh, performance from him. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, he does always seem to have a good good game, doesn't he, against Rovers? Yeah, which is, you know, not just because of how he's been playing against Rovers, but how he's been playing in general. Obviously, last season, he was called up to the England squad, wasn't he? Uh, much to many people's surprise. Probably not to, to yours, though, Matt. I mean, talk, talk a little bit about Riesling and how important he is to the Wakefield side. Yeah, I think he's his longest serving player at this point. So, really? I... I... Yeah, so I, I know he's uh, I know he's a Hull boy, and I know he's got like you say Hull KR family, um, but he feels like one of ours if you get what I mean. Um, he's he's one that's always put his hands up to play, even when he's injured. He's Lynn. Um It kind of surpri- it did surprise us a little bit that he got called up to the England squad because he's not he's not your stip- typical international centre who's got great hands who can get it out wide. But he's so strong and devastating near the line. If you get him the ball in the right positions, he can. He has got a good flick pass. He, he does get enough tries from just barging over, and he's got a fair bit of pace for a, for the size he is. Um, he has been excellent every time we've played. Okay, oh, <laughs> when you said that, I was thinking back, and I was like, yeah, Riesling always seems to be our man of the match whenever we play you. Um, but yeah. I, I agree to a point that he's danger man. I think if Tom Johnston and Fafita are fit though, I think you can't look past them as as our main threats on Saturday. Um, we've missed Fafita massive over the last couple of weeks, and when Johnst- after Johnston went off at half time against Salford, he's not been the same, and we've missed him really as well. So if they're back, I do fancy our chances against yourselves, and I get that it's been a massive week for. Um, KR with with what's happening with Tony Smith and I, I enjoyed the debate you were having earlier um, but yeah I, I feel like if Tom Johnston's fit he might cause some bother for you Yeah, yeah and of course uh, Matt's just mentioned David Fita but Carl, we've got our own wrecking ball coming back into the squad Albert Vette, do you expect to see him just slot straight back in? Uh in a word, no. <laughs> is that because you don't? Uh, do you see him fitting in? Carlo's going to say, "Do you see him fitting in, or do you not want him to fit back in?" No, I, I don't see him fitting in. I, I don't. I, if if it makes it, he's, only, he's definitely not going to stay. I'll just be a bench player. I'd, I know. I don't know, mate. I've said it. I've said it to you on the terraces for for a number of months now. I, he's one of them. He'll give you a good ten minutes every three games. You know. I don't think they'll go with him. I think they'll pretty much stick as, as there was in the Derby, apart from the force changes. Uh, what, what I would say is, I think what Rovers need to do is not focus on Wakefield and also not give them any, any freebies because we've been there over the years and we've given a lot of cheap ball away. Uh, and as, as you'll know, like uh, the chat was saying there, they've got a lot of strike on that field, even if they're not defending well. They've got your Johnson, you've got Lino, you've got Miller. You've got Riesling close for line. I, th- I think I think it's all about Rovers and not not giving Wakefield a sniff and and, and continuing this you know this good form. And like Joe was saying earlier on, hopefully if we can do that, it won't come to an end. But there's definitely we can't be giving any team a sniff. Never mind Wakefield when they're a bit of a a bit of a bogey team. So yeah, I think the focus is all on Rovers. Yeah, and Mike, I mean, what a, what a fantastic situation we're in here. 
You know, we've got uh, Albert Vette, George King, Dean Hadley, Kane Lynette, Matty Starton, Corbin Sims, Elliot Minchella, uh, throw in Jimmy Kynost, Will Maher, Sam Wood, who played second row against Salouz, of course, Greg Richards, and, and we've also got Louis Johnson, who's not featuring through injury. You know, we've been crying out for these competition for places for a long time now, haven't we? Absolutely, and I've mentioned it pretty much every time I've been on the podcast. I've said it to all my mates. I'll say it again before we, we, we go off the air. The, the options and the strength in depth that we have got this season, it's, it's quite incredible. You know, Rovers have used 25 players this year, and every single one of them has offered something, in my opinion, at least when they've when they've pulled on a shirt. And when you look at players like, um, like Tom Garrett, uh, we're in a position where we're not having to rush him back if he's not 100%. Because we have got other players, um, you know, Will Maher, he, I don't know if anybody saw, but he, he lost a tooth in, in the derby. Um, he put a picture up on his Instagram of it, you know, with his showing his tooth and he had it in his hand. And it's a massive tooth that's come out. And, you know, he went back on and played in, in the last 10 minutes and, you know, he got a, a deserved rest on Monday. So he could potentially, you know, he could miss out again um, on Saturday if he's still not quite right because of that. But we've got options, like you say. We've got we've got Vete coming back. I personally think Vete will be on the bench uh, on Friday. Uh, sorry, on Saturday. But mostly because of the fact that we've we've not got Parcel, so we've not got two hookers. So the chances are we'll throw we'll throw another forward in on the on the bench there with with just starting. Um, the other option is to sort of put put Jimmy Kainos on the bench there as well and, and kind of spell it from from that perspective. Yeah, obviously, you know, we've got some strength in depth in our forwards, Matt, but, but who are the players who, who you look at from a Wakefield perspective and, and, and sort of strike a little bit of fear into, into you? Um, do you say Parcel want in the squad? Cause that's, that's no, Parcel, he's, he's got con, uh, concussion against Toulouse, so he's, he's missing right. through uh, yeah. protocols. Yeah. Well, he's, he's, the, he's the main one that I'd have said. Um, you know, Lachlan Coop, He's, he's one of the top fullbacks in the league. He, he always looks quality whenever I've seen him play for you guys as well. Um, he's he's really the main one. I'm glad that Mike. <laughs> I'm glad that Michael Lewis is missing for our game. I, I don't wish him an injury or anything, but I'm glad that he's he's unavailable to play against us because he's been awesome every time I've seen him play. Um, Abdul's kicking game is is a trouble for any side. Um, yeah, Frankie Holton. I saw someone earlier say that they want him on a three-year deal. He's been really impressive since he's stepped up as well. And um, he's one that I think we're going to have to really try and avoid running at because he's tackling. I don't think he misses a tackle. Like, it's brilliant. <laughs> No, he has. He's been he's been phenomenal. And and to be fair, Mikey, I didn't even mention Tom Garrett and and Frankie Holton when I was listing our our forwards. You know, when you consider that they've still got to come back into the squad. But Joe, one player I think deserves a lot of praise and a lot of credit is Ryan Hall. Um, you know, he, he had a two try salvo against Toulouse. He did the same against um, uh, Hull FC. And and who would have thought he's also a keen piano player as well? Um, no, if you noticed. Yeah, he's he's definitely a man of many talents, isn't he? But he he's been phenomenal, hasn't he? Not just in his really try scoring, but his meters made, running the ball out from defence. Just just everything about him, he just doesn't seem to age, though, does he? He's still <laughs> seem he's still got pace about him. He's he's still he's just done age. He's, he's we're still one of the best wingers in the competition for me. And if he carries on the way he's going. Why? Why shouldn't he be able to take a World Cup spot? You know, he's he's been that good. So, yeah, I think I think we're a lot better team when he's in it for his 
for his meters. And uh, I've got a little visitor, I do apologise. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think uh, just everything about him, like I say, his meters, his try scoring, he's just, he's, he's just really, really good. And I think, yeah, he's probably, without him, we're a lot weaker without him, I think. Yeah, and of course, he was, he was named in the uh, England squad by Sean Wayne, wasn't he, at the start of the season. So, he's definitely playing his way into contention. Matt, just before we sign off, how have Wakefield fans been travelling? Have you been going down in big numbers? Or can we expect a decent following on Saturday? No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> to, be, to be honest, uh, we've, um, we went to Warrington in decent numbers, um, but that's because the club put the travel on for a quid. Um, we haven't really, we haven't really been that far away, you know. I mean, mm. St. Helens, we didn't take many because we don't we don't normally take many on a Friday night. One of his away games has been Catalan, which no, we never take many away to Catalan, especially at the start of the season. Um, Wigan, I think there was only about hundred Wakefield fans, but I think because it's this side of the Pennines, I think we'll have a bit more of a support this time. Um, it's, it's been a bit of a because of the results over Easter. I think people are a bit more reluctant to go than they would have normally been, which is a bit of a shame. I think I'll still be there on, on Saturday watching us get 40 put on us. But um, I'm, I'm sure I'm sure I'll get to sample what Craven Street has to offer anyway. Yeah, definitely get yourself in there. Mikey, are you going to be there with your, with your van again? Yeah, I'll, I'll be there. I'll meet my shirts on display. So, yeah, if you do pop down, Matt, come and come over and say hello, won't you, bud? Uh, but just quickly, if I, Matt, if I could ask you a couple of questions before we do move on. Uh, number yeah. one, I want your opinion on George King. Because, obviously, he's, he came from Wakefield. He's now been... He's played every game for us this year. And he's uh, he's become one of our sort of best prop forwards. I'm just looking for your take on what George King was like. I'm, I'm shocked that he's actually become one of your best prop forwards because, at times, at Wakefield, I genuinely didn't even know what he was for. Um, it might have been down to Chester's coaching, but the, he wasn't. No one was bothered when he left, and I think we all thought, "Why have they signed him?" Like we, we genuinely weren't bothered, and it's. I've been surprised to see how how well he's come on, really. Yeah, there was a lot of sort of question marks across the Rovers fan base when we signed him, and obviously we brought him through partway through the the twenty twenty season because we'd agreed to sign him from twenty twenty one, and there was just that little bit of sort of apprehension and. When when he started playing for us, everyone was sort of like, "My God, we found like this little this hidden gem." And I think Tony Smith has definitely brought out the best in his game. And that leads me on to my second question. Obviously, we've asked you about how you're going to um, approach the game on Saturday. But from your personal perspective, has your opinion changed from yesterday morning before you'd heard about Tony Smith to now? Do you feel more confident? Do you feel less confident? How does that make you feel? Is you know, it's been a bit of a weird one. I've been talking about it with my um, friends who support Wakefield and were saying that maybe it'll sow some seeds of doubt in, in the fact that he's just announced it out of nowhere. If it was a bit more um, organised, that it was agreed with the club how it was done, maybe I'd felt like right the rut for it in the know that it's happening. But I feel like because he's surprised everyone by saying he's leaving, I, I don't know... I'd, I did feel a little bit more confident, but any like I said before, if I feel confident about where it feels, something bad's about to happen. <laughs> I think I think most rugby league clubs like that, aren't they? That's it. Well, that's how we feel. <laughs> yeah, unless you sent Ellen's or Wigan, it's just how you feel, isn't it? Yeah. 
But no, Matt, I really appreciate you joining us and make sure you do head over to Craven Street on Saturday because you'll be sure to receive a, a warm East Hull welcome. Um, I, I, I won't wish you the best of luck. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I do think it's going to be a very interesting tie and there's obviously that added bit of spice now, isn't there, with, with what's happened uh, only yesterday with Tony Smith. But but for now, Matt, hopefully you, you, you'll be able to join us later on in the season. And But for now, we'll, uh, we'll uh, let you go. Okay, mate. No problem. Cheers for having me, lads. All the best, Matt. Yeah, he's always a uh, Wakefield are a bit of a bogey team for us, aren't they? If you look at our record over the last few years, Joe, we, we, it's just a team we seem to, to struggle against. Uh, Carl, you know, are we in danger of maybe taking Wakefield too lightly at times? Because, it, you know, there's been many occasions, haven't there, where we, we go thinking, yes, we should win and we expect to win and, and we actually get turned over. Well, if we, if we aren't lame by now, Chris, I don't think we ever will. So, you know, never say never with that type of uh, type of thing. But like like I said earlier, I think we just need to concentrate on ourselves and, and keep this good run of form going and not give them a sniff because, like I said, they've got some some great strike players. You know, so if we do give if we do give them a sniff, you know, you know what will happen. So there's no point even saying it. So. Yeah. So of course, all things are always take it. on uh, Willie Porchins. Yeah. Wakefield Trinity on Saturday afternoon, 3pm kickoff at Craven Park. Let's hope uh, Rovers fans continue to back the boys because one one thing that's become really evident is that when when the te- crowd turns up in big numbers and they get beyond the boys, it, it really does give them a lift. And I think a number of players, have, and, and including Tony Smith's mentioned how important it is that the fans get behind them. So hopefully uh, we'll do that on Saturday. But of course, you know, almost forget that we've actually played two games uh, over the Easter period. And of course, we got two victories. The first one was a very good Friday derby victory against the Black and Whites. Uh, trailing 4-4 at half-time after tries from Ryan Hall and the Grub. Uh, but two tries from Starman Lachlan Coote in the second half made sure that Rovers came away with a victory. Um, and then we went and followed that up on Easter Monday with a, a scrappy <coughs> victory over Toulouse. Uh, 28 points to 24 victors. But we was losing 12-0 at half-time. Try scorers that day were Matty Stoughton, John Abdul, um, George King, Ryan Hall got two, and Will Dagger got four kicks from five. Matt, Mike, first I'll come to you. Uh, it was a good Friday, wasn't it? Um, and what I was surprised with, actually, is I didn't think Hull Kingston Rovers actually played that well. But then I also think we didn't have to because I think we played against a very limited Hull side and who, uh, who tried to execute a game plan that I don't think the players were able to execute. But there were some real standout performances from the Robins that day, wasn't there? There was, and it was a really, it was a weird game. The first, the first half was like very, felt very nervy. Obviously, it was four four at halftime. Neither side really got hold of, of the game, and in the second half, I actually felt like Rovers was much the better team. I felt like we we dominated in that second half, but we didn't really have to get out of sort of second or even maybe you know first gear to to really uh, to see that victory through. Um, there was one. What I want to call controversial call. I think the the big bomb that McIntosh mm. um, was a judge to have knock on his hand, and it went backwards, in my opinion. And then, you, you know, the Mikey, if that happened against Rovers, you'd be furious, wouldn't you? 
Of course you would. And it, it's sport. We've had we've had calls go against us before. We've had calls go for us before. You know, Hull FC had that call go against them on Good Friday, and then they score a try in the you know in the dying seconds to win a game on Monday, which you know could be classed yeah. as a dubious call from a Warrington perspective. So the way the way sport goes, these things come around. Should they? No, you'd you'd like the right call every single time, but realistically, that's not going to happen. And I think that, that that decision did change the game because obviously the ball goes out wide. Sam Wood gets a really good offload. Cook gets over for his first try. And then that was the, that was the momentum, the crowd's up. And it's really, really hard to break momentum in rugby league. And that's why I feel like you get a lot of big scores because it just keeps rolling and rolling and rolling. And, and if you can just keep that momentum going, I can't think of that many times in that second half where I thought, Hull FC are going to score. Yeah, they're going to score. They didn't have any opportunity on our line where I was really, really panicking, and that's quite rare in any game, let alone let alone a derby game. And um, obviously, I mentioned earlier on about Will Mars' injury. You know, he came back on after after losing losing a tooth. Um, we, we lost Frankie Holton as well. You know, it just after just after half time. But another key point which I thought was um, quite big in the game was Andre Savelio uh, not coming back out for the second half. Obviously, he's now. I think it's an ACL injury that he's got. He's out for the rest of the year. Um, so he's going to be a big loss for, for Hull FC. And I think that was quite sort of pivotal as well because, you know, he's a, a really good player for, for, for Hull FC and that will have obviously changed their uh, game plan. Yeah. And of course, uh, Joe Lachlan Coop, he arrived, didn't he? I think that was everything um, on Good Friday, what, we expect, what we've seen from Lachlan Coop doing at St. Helens share. And he's, he's been steadily building to that type of performance. But... Um, you know, 214 metres made, three clean breaks, obviously two tries. Um, he got the Man of Match award. Um, that was that's the Lachlan Coop we, we want and, and expect to see, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. You've seen him do it for Saints how many times. And I think his first couple uh, games, it was scratchy, wasn't it? Uh, a bit clunky, but it was in and out, wasn't he? First few weeks, so I think. Now he's starting to string a few games together. I think um, that spine of him, Milnes and Abdul, is really coming together. And obviously when Michael Lewis comes back as well, I just think it's really starting to come on. And just the pace he hits the ball at when he's when it's out going out the back to him, it, it's just ridiculous. I think he comes onto the ball at that much speed. The defence are already worried of what is he gonna go for himself? Is he he's got the pass, hasn't he? You know. It, the way he chimes into the line is just brilliant. So, yeah, long may it continue. Fingers crossed he stays injury-free. Yeah, and Carl, you know, Rovers have been sort of given the moniker, the, the entertainers. Uh, but on Friday, we saw a, a different type of performance, didn't we, from Rovers in that they, they ground it out. They didn't do anything too flashy. Um, but what they did is, is compete and, the, and they didn't really give, uh, you know, LFC a chance to get into the game and, that's what impressed me that that this side showed that they can they can put in a, a different type of performance. Yeah, I don't, to be honest, I think it's hundred percent right, and I, I agree what uh, Mikey was saying earlier on in terms of uh, I think Rovers always look the strongest team, and I don't, like you say with the Macintosh, it it wasn't an error; it should have been a play on. It did swing the game, but even up to that point, I thought Rovers was was the far better team, you know, and like you say. It, most, let's be honest, as a hardcore Rovers fan and the rest of you guys are also, I can't remember where the quality of a derby has been great. Or if it has, it's, it's very rarely, you know, because most of the time it's, you know, enthusiasm, the passion of the crowd. And I think a lot of that spills out onto the pitch, so the quality drops. 
Uh, but, you know, maybe four or five years ago, I don't think Rovers could have won in that way. You know, I think it would have, ex- have been expansive rugby or, or nothing. So, in, in terms of in, in terms of winning games in the uh, in different manners and diff- finding different ways to win at different times in the game, I think I think you're 100% right. And, you know, that's what happened on Friday. And I also think that's what's happened in, the, in this five-game uh, streak that we're on. So, yeah, like, like Joe said, long may it continue. Yeah, and Mikey, I saw you out on the pitch again on the, on the derby, and um, I think Craig Franklin and, and the team at Rovers deserve a huge amount of credit because not only was it a, a spectacle on the pitch, it was a real event off it as well, wasn't it? And you know, me and Carl, well, Carl not as early as me, but we got into the ground nice and early. We stayed after, watched the academy game, and had some had some beers. You know what I mean? It was a real event, wasn't it? And and that's testament to the way that, that them guys have been doing it not least mentioning the ratings they were putting a fantastic performance you know it just had that that real spectacle feel about it it did it was it was quite um it was quite good i feel like the way that it, i watched the, the game back on on sky and the the, the pre-match build-up came came across really well um on, on tv you know the way that they introduced Hull fc and then you know at the end you know make some noise for the robins you know it was really it came across really really well and i think they loved being there as well you know Kind of spent a little bit of time with them in the rehearsal before before you know before they went live, and it was quite it was quite interesting to see sort of their take on it. You could see that they were sort of a little bit nervous as well, you know, because it's almost for them being live on Sky Sports is it's a really really big thing. It gets their gets their name out there, and hopefully it'll help sell some uh, some tickets for them um, on on their tour that they've got going on at the moment. Yeah, and I'm going to save it for another podcast, but. Uh... There's no way waiting 40 minutes for a pint of lager is acceptable in, in this day and age. <laughs> but I'll save that for another podcast, maybe uh, when I want to have a rant about queuing for beer. But that's my own fault. Anyway, uh, Joe, a player who came into the Rovers starting lineup and had a you know quite an impressive game. Of course, he, he uh, created the try uh, for Lachlan Coo. Ethan Ryan, who uh, he's, he's fitted seamlessly into, into the side, hasn't he? And we've seen it. It's been a feature of that right edge, hasn't it, where we saw Jimmy Kynos partner Sam Wood and now Ethan Ryan's took uh, took that place out on the right wing but uh, a very good game from Ethan Ryan it was almost like he hadn't been away yeah defensively it was sound wasn't it the amount of reads I remember at one point he he ran jammed in and nailed uh, Josh Griffin and I just think like before we wouldn't have had that they'd have been jamming in and missing the tackle and it going mm. out to the wing and so strolling but it yeah does seem he, to have- Great timing, doesn't he? How he, how he yeah, times his tackle. Like often people it, be count, caught out, but even he seems to time it to perfection every time. It don't it don't just hit the man though to give him a chance of getting an offload. He, he covers the ball as well, doesn't he? He's so good at it. But yeah, I thought it, we've got a bit of speed out there as well now, aren't they? Now he's playing instead of Kynos. There's a bit of pace out there as well. So yeah, he took his chance with both hands, didn't he? So yeah. Hopefully that continues as well. But I quite like the partnership of him and Sam Wood out there. I think that could really blossom into something really good. Um, that's fingers crossed Tony Smith doesn't sling Takarangi in there on Saturday, like which kind of got an inkling he might do. He's been he was 18th man against Toulouse, wasn't he? So is he edging him, you know, edging him in there slowly? Uh but I don't see how, how you can throw him in at the minute with Sam Wood and Ethan Ryan doing so well out there. Yeah, I'll, I'll come to you, Carl. I know you're his biggest fan. So, so where do you see uh, Brad Sakarangi lining up on Saturday? 
<laughs> how long how long you got? It's already been a long podcast. <laughs> I, I don't I don't I don't see him going with him. And to be honest, I, I hope I hope he doesn't. I hope, like I said earlier on, I, I hope he keeps it as as, as similar as he could to Good Friday. Obviously, you know, there's a few force changes, isn't there? But like I say, I, I think uh, I think Joe's right in terms of uh, having wooden wood centre and. Ethan Ryan on, on the wing, I think, I think you know, look fairly strong. And I think what also has been clever as well, an experienced coach like Tony Smith, we all think, and I've said it myself, we all think oh, he'll keep the same team. And he'll just tweak one or two things on a weekly basis to suit the team we're playing against. And I think it might only sound, you know, a small thing, but I think him putting Ryan in on that wing was all about the pace and ball movement, knowing Hull are a big team. So just little tweaks against certain teams are, are, are paying dividends and Again, that's an experienced coach who's, who's had success, you know, and it's great. And that's what you want to say. That, and like Joe said, the, the players that are coming in, when they haven't played for weeks on end, they're, they're doing a fantastic job. And that's why the club's in a better position because everybody's fighting for that shit. And you're moving forward, we're strong, we're strong on, off the field as well as we are on the field. So, so yeah, it's all, it's all positive, Chris, and long may it continue. Yeah, and of course, we then followed up that Good Friday victory with a victory over Toulouse. There was a few changes to the squad. Uh, Lacken Coop was rested, so Will Dagger came back in. We saw Ben Crook's fe- feature uh, at centre uh, with Sam Wood moving into the second row. Um, also, we have Corbin Sims, obviously, made his return. He, he started from the bench. Uh, actually, one player who's worth mentioning a little bit is uh, Greg Richards. He seems to have gone a little bit under the radar, doesn't he? But he's he's having a... He seems to be growing into the side. I think he got off to a bit of a slow start. I think a lot of Rovers fans were probably a little bit too unkind to him to, to expect him to hit the ground running. But Mikey, Greg Richards, he, is he starting to impress you? Yeah, he's just he's doing all the basics really well. And it, it's a sign of a player doing well when nobody's really complaining about him, um, as negative as that might sound, because he's just going about his business very quietly. I think he's played maybe seven or eight games all off the bench and he, he's coming in and he's doing that you know the the interchange <coughs> prop forward spot for you know quite a quite a good little stint in the middle of, of each game and as you say he's just he's a steady eddy isn't he you know he's probably never going to be a an eight or nine out of ten every week but he's he's steady doing six seven out of ten each week and just doing the nitty-gritty stuff in the middle that we need him to do yeah and i don't know if anyone's actually had the pleasure of seeing him up close but he's absolutely massive He's, he's like a cannonball. He's huge. Yeah. But another player who, uh, I mean, you already mentioned it, Mikey, when you spoke to uh, Matt, um, George King. He had an absolute stormer of game and obviously scored scored a try. And um, you really saw him coming to the fore, didn't we? Because it, if we're honest, it probably wasn't Rovers' best performance of the season. But they found a way to win. Um, I won't tell you that Kyle texts me. Um, saying he thinks he was going to lose, especially when oh, yeah, I've just told you. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I mean to be fair, Rovers started the game slowly, didn't they? And you needed players like George King to dig in and and get us out of a bit of a rut, didn't you, Mikey? Yeah, it was... <laughs> <laughs> well recovered. Yeah, it, it's Carl uh, uh, mentioned it earlier. The, the, the whole game was a game what we, in a previous season we would have probably lost. And this Toulouse game was definitely, definitely, definitely a game in a, pre- a previous season where we would have probably lost it. We've, we've not really got a great record against them in recent memory. You know, we played them three times over 2017 and 2018, lost all three games, two of them being away from home, one of them being at Craven Park. So 
we've not really had a great um, recent history against them. So we speak about it, about Wakefield as well. It's the teams that tend to be around where we've been in, in league position, what we struggle against, whether that be a Salford, a Wakefield, now obviously a Toulouse. We've done it with Huddersfield in the past, where it's the teams that are going to be in and around where we're expecting to finish. But now we, we are looking at trying to finish a little bit higher in those positions. So these teams now, we do need to be trying to to sort of, of beat them. Um, when you look at that game, yes, we made we made four changes. But if you look at the four players that came in, in, in Dagger, Crook, Sims and Dean Hadley, the amount of Super League and NRL experience you've got in those four changes is staggering considering some of the other teams that have made changes and they're having to throw in young kids or players that are really on the fringe of a team. Whereas these lads, if they started any Super League game, you would sort of be relatively okay with it. So it's it's just important that we just keep the options open and we're rotating and keeping things fresh. I would love for us to have a squad on Saturday that resembled one that was very similar to that on Friday, but I think that would be quite naive of us to think that there won't be changes. You know, to play three professional games of rugby league in eight days, it's a massive toll on on people's bodies. You know, I'm, I'm sure everybody will have seen Ryan Hall's tweet after the game on Monday saying, you know, we need to go back to just having the one game at Easter. I think it was actually in place ahead of the 2020 season, but obviously we know what happened there. So that didn't actually, um, in fact, it got worse didn't it, as the season progressed because we was playing games every three days. But I think that we need to try and get back into that player, player welfare element of just having that one game at Easter. And Sky maybe put the games, you know, maybe on the Friday you have Ulham Rovers and the Monday you have Saints and Wigan and, you know, you make a big deal of the weekend. Yeah, and obviously they've gone for a... A 27-game season uh, this year. I think they could have gone. They could have had 25, and obviously we could have had that gap at Easter and played the one game of the weekend. Cal, what do you think about uh, the Easter schedule? Because that Monday game, all almost, you know, especially because we play normally play play hole on Good Friday in the derby. That Monday game always just I don't know it loses a bit of shine, don't you think? And obviously, from a player perspective, you know. We talk about player welfare. Well, that goes out the window for me when this when they create this schedule for the players. And and I think Mike's right. Do you, do you expect to see some changes on on Saturday? You know, are we a bit naive to think that we'll just go? You know, maybe line up like we did against Hull on Friday. Yeah, I mean, how many times are we sitting and, and you know let's try and second guess Tony Smith? There's no there's, there's no point, is there? Is well, not after yesterday. The no, well, no. <laughs> exactly, proofs in the pudding and all that. So, and I, I, I totally get what Mike's saying. The cat, you know, the cat go on about player welfare and then keep this this easy schedule like it is. It, it something's got to give, you know. And I think the more more and more players come out and sort of say, say they disagree with it and need scrapping, I think that is the only that is the only solution. And you know, they keep doing that and they keep saying that whether it takes years to happen or not. But I definitely don't think it's good on the body. Obviously, we're not professional athletes, but you know, I can imagine it being an absolute, absolute ball hit for those for those guys. Who, especially with especially with the Rovers, we had the intensity of of Good Friday derby, and then we're flying off to Toulouse. I mean, come on, let you know. Let's be safe. If we're going to do it, let's be sensible. If if we can, I mean, it's just ridiculous. And like Mikey was saying earlier, four or five years ago, we won't even bother turning up at Toulouse because you took that much out of the squad, or sorry, the lack of the squad of bad four or five years ago and we would have never ever got that result on Monday if we didn't, you know, we haven't moved forward like we have. And that's why I text you when I do, Chris, because I could see a bit of the older overs creeping in. But Mikey, Mikey makes a hell of a point. That squad is a lot better now. 
And if it, you know, if any any squad can cope with it, it's the one we've got now. But yeah, it, it needs scrapping for me because you know, you know yourself the quality on the Monday, the quality of that game where whether it's at Toulouse away or bloody Saint Helens or whatever it may be, the quality of that the quality of that Monday game for and I dare say I say for most Super League fans, players, coaches, you know, everybody everybody apart from the RFL, they'll probably say the exact same thing. Yeah, no, you're probably right. And and Joe I know we've already touched on it, but you know we're coming on the uh, out of the uh, the Easter Bank holiday. Um, normally, we'd come out with it with a, a good number of injuries, but when you look at our squad, it's pretty strong now, isn't it? And, and the fact that Matty Parcell is missing, and it, you know he's of course he's a huge blow. I don't think we're hitting panic stations yet because there's so many other players, and and what we've seen is that uh, Tony Smith has, has created different variations and different styles of play for us to. To uh, different ways for us to play now. So going into that Wakefield game, even if certain players don't play, I don't think we have that panic now. No, exactly that. I think like you look at the players that have dropped out of the squad, and like I know Will Dagger's like your backup fullback, but your Dagger, your your Frankie Alton's not fit, Parcel. Well, then you bring it back the likes of Vette, Lynette, Cool, you know. So the. The strength in depth at Rovers at the moment is just like you're almost in awe because we haven't had it for so long. It's like, bloody hell, we can actually drop these players out, but bring these players back in, and we're not really much weaker. So it, it's only good for the future, isn't it? If we can carry on like this with this sort of depth, and everyone's it, this competition for places is only going to bring out the best in players as well. Aren't they? They're all going to be fighting, they're all going to want the shirt. They're all going to maybe want contracts next year if they're still fighting for them. So, you know, it can only be good moving forward. Yeah, no doubt. And, of, uh, and of course, uh, I'm going to put you on the spot now and get a prediction from each of you about what the scoreline might be. Mike, I'll start with you. Rovers by eight. Rovers by eight. Carl? Hmm. Oh, gosh. Uh, I was, I'm going to put my neck on the line and I'm going to say Rovers by 16. <clears throat> Rovers by they, need, 16. they need a reaction from this year's news, don't they? Fuck a raggy hat trick. Well, like we said, like Tony Smith, you know, wins games, nobody asks any questions. Brad Sakurangi hits the ground running and gets man of the match performance. You know, he's back in the fold. And Joe, what about you? I'm going to go... Rovers by 14. 14, wow. Yeah. I hope so, because it'll be a, a great afternoon of uh, Rugby League if, if uh, John uh, Carl right, uh, Mikey. But Sorry. it's been another bumper episode of the Red Robin Podcast Weekly, which is, of course, powered by Budget Ties Auto Centre and 360 Chartered Accountants. Rovers going to Saturday's Round 10 clash with Wakefield, aiming to strength our playoff charge. My thanks to Mike, Carl and Joe for joining me tonight and a huge thank you to you, our listeners and viewers, for lending me your eyes and ears. Coaches, players and CEOs will come and go, but one thing that has become crystal clear is that the supporters will always be constant. We will be there.